Welcome to Divorce Etc. hosted by us, the ex-experts. We're here to give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Plus, we're asking a lot of the questions that you may not even think of or know to ask, but we know because we've lived it, so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. Welcome to today's podcast. I am so thrilled to have Ruth Kim here. She's an attorney specializing in family law in New Jersey. So welcome to our podcast. I'm so excited to join these two wonderful ladies for this podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Ruth. Yeah. So, so, Teach and I always have a lot of conversation about all the different ways that people can get divorced. And the funny thing is that I feel like we're always concentrating on all of the options where you don't have to duke it out in court and then realize like we actually haven't spoken to anybody about what you do when you're actually duking it out in court. Right. Right. <laughs> and my, my divorce was always heading towards litigation despite multiple mediations and lawyer panels and everything. And so we were prepared to be in court and we settled at the doors. So I never got to that point, but, but tell us about litigating. It's so daunting and scary and everyone's doing everything they can to avoid it. Um, so I can tell you this, TH, your experience in the divorce world, um, is the minority. I mean, 99.9% case of cases settle. You unfortunately have, you're in this club of, of that 0.1%, which is you got, and, and you did all the bells and whistles and the court systems are set up so that you do settle beforehand. You, you touched on it right now and you had indicated, oh, the, the panels, the mediation sessions. I mean, the court system really is geared towards trying to get two uh, husband and wife spouses, partners to a point where they want to resolve their case to avoid that trial. Um, you start with a case, and I, I practice in New Jersey, so most of what I'm talking about is New Jersey specific. So if you are in a jurisdiction that's outside of New Jersey or a state outside of New Jersey, obviously I recommend you doing your research and talking with counsel in New Jersey, uh, in that state or jurisdiction. Um, disclaimer, I just have to do that. I'm an attorney. I can't help yeah, myself. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but all that being said, you know, the, the, when you do, when you start a case, it is truly geared towards you do your initial case management conference, you have um, discovery that's exchanged. And once you get to that point, you have um, early settlement panel, which is a panel of two or three attorneys that, that volunteer their time, hopefully try to resolve your case. Once you get past that hurdle and you don't settle your case, then you're at economic mediation, whereas it's a mediator who is for two hours volunteering their time. And then thereafter, hopefully gets you to a point where you're having several or multiple mediation sessions. And I'm assuming TH, that's probably what you did in your situation considering how lengthy your divorce process was. Yes. Um, so, and, and at every point in turn, you're hopefully, both of you guys are giving in just a little to hopefully get yourselves done. Unfortunately, again, you're in that 0.1% where you did have to essentially prepare yourself for a trial and prepare your case as if you're going to trial. And a lot of times it could be a simple, and, and I take this uh, with a grain of salt, a simple issue of whether or not a debt owed is something that is your responsibility or if it's a joint marital responsibility. Depending on that debt, you go to trial because it could be a large number. Or for instance, and I've had this in a situation where, um, a, a house is valued at 
one number and another expert says it's valued at another. Well, guess what? You're ha you have battling experts. And if the number is large enough, you will go to trial on that issue. And a lot of times you don't want to settle 85% of your issues to have that one issue hanging over yourself. You want a global resolution. Right. So a lot of times it really is, and, and obviously it is very fact specific as to why you go to trial. And there are a lot of number of reasons why you go. And, and I just gave you a, a couple, uh, you know, that, that come off the top of my head. I feel like to me, when I think about litigation, it's almost like the traditional, like the old fashioned divorce. Like that's what you saw in the movies. That's what, like right. Kramer versus Kramer. That's what you saw. War of the Roses. Exactly, War of the Roses. <laughs> right. But then when you talk to people, more and more people will say like, oh yeah, they, it's not even just about settling. Like I don't even consider my situation having settled. Like we had, unbeknownst to us, 12 years ago, a collaborative divorce. We never went to mediation. We didn't do, um, there was another kind of, I'm blanking on, there was another kind of divorce that we didn't do. And, and we, we literally came up with the terms ourselves, like basically wrote out the agreement ourselves, had the lawyers kind of like sign off on it. And nowadays there are attorneys getting certified in collaborative divorce, which is evidently what we did. More and more people today are saying that they haven't stepped foot in court. So what, other than the examples that you said, this is really a different question. Like how does someone know that that's kind of the road that they're going to be going on. Like, I feel like there are a lot of people who from the very beginning are like, he's an asshole. We're going to court. Like they were never going to be able to work it out. People are kind of like, the second they know they're getting divorced, that's their expectation. What well, do you? Yeah, I can say that. Um, and again, you, you know who you married, right? So a lot of times, you know, I have the situation where if, if you file for divorce, I'm going to make your life a living hell, pardon my language, um, until I get what I want or I financially destroy you. So that is obviously the extreme. And you have to prepare yourself for that because again, you know who you married, you know who you're divorcing, and you have to set yourself up for that. And that is a mentally, emotionally, draining process. And not only that, but, uh, you know, and, and I take that because those are very important to me and my clients and making sure, but right. when you have children involved and you have finances involved, it is an amalgamation of the worst possible things to happen. And you mm -hmm. have to brace yourself for it. And unfortunately, uh, that's why trials, ha a lot of times that's why trials happen. When you have unreasonable positions, unreasonable parties, and at sometimes unreasonable advocates that are causing um, the case to, to proceed in the fashion that it is. I always say that when you're in a divorce, there's four people. The four people are yourself, your spouse, partner, ex, um, and the two attorneys involved. So if you don't have a good symbiotic relationship, and you don't have to be best friends with your soon-to-be ex-spouse. You don't have to be best friends with the attorney on the other side, but there's a level of collegiality and there's a level of respect that you should have, especially if there are children involved. And a lot of times cases go to trial because children and custody become an issue. So, you know, you say, why are we in this position? So yes, one, one on the one hand, it could be unreasonableness of the parties, unreasonableness of the positions, but also you know, custody becomes a significant um, factor in whether or not something is going to settle or not. If someone's obstinately saying that mom can't handle the children and dad has handled it their entire lives and why should mom get 50-50, 
you know, that is a point of contention that experts will get involved and custody experts. I mean, let's be clear. I mean, that could take six, 12 months to do, and then you get rebuttal reports because a year has passed. I mean, it really, and I'm sure I'm dragging a lot of things up for you, TH, because you did have this um, different experience than Jessica. And and, and, and to me, um, that's why this is such a great forum because you have two ends of the spectrum with regards to how to deal with this divorce um, enigma, to be, for lack of a better way of saying it. Right, right. I, um... I also want to manage people's expectations going to court. So you walk in the room, you sit down with your lawyer, your spouse sits down with their lawyer, you have a judge in front of you. The judge only addresses the lawyers, but once in a while he's addressed me directly. And I was like, holy shit, what do I say? <laughs> right. So tell us about how you prepare your clients yep. For when they are in a courtroom, because it's daunting enough. And by the way, I had all of the people um, behind you, the galley fathers oh. who were part of the chain gang that day, who had not paid their alimony or child support, lined up behind me. Now we're like in land of pandemic, it's Zoom divorce. It's not like that, but yeah, I was going like, to say it's totally different. Sweating yeah. bullets, and you're trying to look like very together. But it's so. Tell us how you prepare your client if you are going into the courtroom. So obviously you're going to the courtroom for a number of occasions. And again, in the pandemic right now, that is not happening. I don't remember the last time I wore heels and the last time I stepped foot in a courthouse. Um, And in fact, I got to tell you though, I miss it. I miss seeing the judges face-to-face. I miss seeing even my adversaries really to, to communicate with them and just be out there. But all that being said, I guess it depends on what stage of your litigation you're going to be in court. So there are things called motions, which are applications you file before a court. And um, whether it's interim relief or relief that you're seeking prior to the commencement of trial. So if you're doing that situation, a lot of times you will have an opportunity to speak because a judge might have a pointed question for you with regards to this. I always prepare my client to say, only speak when you're spoken to, please don't interrupt the judge. It is astounding how much a judge sees on that when they're behind that bench. They see everything. Body language, you doing your, you feverishly, even feverishly writing, I kid you not, or tapping me on the shoulder. I I mean, I've had to like kick my clients under the table to tell them. Which the judge probably also sees. I know, you're you're absolutely absolutely (laughs) right. But, But to be quite honest, it's one of those moments where I'm like, are they for real? But I have to they also don't know to take behave. a step back. They don't know how to behave. Right. And this is their life. This is their moment. This is, right. he's not paying the electric bill or he's alienating our kids and I need relief and I need relief now. So they get in panic mode. So before we even do anything, whether it's a motion hearing, a case management conference, I always, always tell my clients, please be mindful that the judge is noticing everything. And I have to tell you, I've been in chambers with judges afterwards or during settlement conferences. And they'll tell me like your client is obviously, yeah, your client is very agitated right now. Calm her down. I can see it, you know, or, 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 you know, it's not even an admonishment. It truly is because he also understands the impact of what's happening too. Right. But, but to, to circle back to what we were talking about, it really is, it depends on what the situation is, but you certainly have to um, talk to your clients and advise them that at, 
judges notice everything. They really do. What would you the, say? Hang on. The other ahead. thing, the tip that I was given was whenever you're asked a question, you take two deep breaths. Exactly. You do not speak. You also make sure you understand the question that's asked and you can ask the judge to repeat the question mm -hmm. so that you're not volunteering information or just saying stuff. You're like, well, I just really want to know this because you can be hurting yourself. So like, I, I definitely was freaking out, but I remember that. And actually I use that in a lot, a lot of real life. <laughs> Those are good tips. That's just a real good tip especially, in general. Especially with my kids. Yeah. Like, can I blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Okay, so you're asking me for two hundred dollars instead of one hundred dollars. I just want to make sure I'm understanding the question. So it's like one of those things, but but that really was a good tip. You only answer what's asked. You make sure you understand the question, and you give yourself like a few seconds to just kind of like take it in. Can Otherwise, I just, you're just I'm, gonna. It could be a mess. A hundred percent. And just to add to that, courts in New Jersey, at least, and I'm assu I'm assuming everywhere it's recorded. So everything is recorded. So even if you're muttering under your breath or you're saying something to your attorney, keep that in mind that it picks up. So the Has judge- Has that always been the case? So I think in the last, I clerked, oh, I hate to say this, but I clerked 14 years ago and I think they had just started, but now okay. you see signs in the courthouses saying microphone's always on, so be right. careful. So just adding to what T said, just, you know, you could, you could say what you, you can keep your face like as, as uh, blank as possible. Make sure you understand the question, breathe, and definitely don't mutter anything under your breath because it certainly can get picked up. So just be careful of that too. So I just want to follow along this, this, this area of giving the tips, breathing, taking two breaths, mm -hmm. you know, clarifying the question, making sure, you know, you're controlling your facial language, your body language, all mm -hmm. of that. What are other things that you feel like are, are amongst the most important things to prepare people in terms of going to court? Like I am a very emotionally excitable person, whether it's good news or bad news, I'm like can, you know, zero to 60 in 0.2 seconds. And I feel like that would not be great in a courtroom. You know, the, yeah, so that goes to the taking two breaths, but just preparing people like never do this, always do this. So I think that goes towards keeping your face as even keeled and your demeanor as even keeled as possible. If you win something in a court or if you if you have an emergent application and you succeed in your application, I wouldn't be doing high fives with your attorney. You know, I would keep it as composed as much as possible. And, you know, just think about it as poker face. And, you know, outside you can certainly do what you want, but I wouldn't again, voices carry. I wouldn't be doing high fives in the outside the chambers or outside the courtroom either. But, you know, it's like, it's like when your child wins a, a game and you're the opponent's parents are next to you, you're not gloating in front of them. I mean, it's, it's poor form. And I think, right. well, like, maybe you are, but, um, it but it, I, I, <laughs> we know I think, what you're thinking. Maybe yeah. not your finest moment. Right. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> but, but we're all human. But it, it is. And I have to say that you, you have to take that into consideration too, that everyone is human and the emotions will come up. I've had a lot of clients cry. I mean, because when they're yeah. upset, they cry. When they're excited, they cry. When they're happy, they cry. So, and I have to tell them, please 
try to keep your crying to a minimum, but at some point it, it, I have, it's their life. It is their life. And whenever I look at a final settlement agreement, when a case is finally said and done and my name's on it, I have a sense of I'm a part of these people's lives for the rest of their lives. Their legal document has my name on it. And I say to myself, okay, I got them through the hardest part of their lives. Fingers crossed. That will be the hardest thing they have to go through. Right. And let's have them go up now. And so that truly to me is as much as an emotional aspect or, or process this is, I have to take into consideration their feelings, but also making sure that they're presentable before a judge. I'm curious, um, we only have a couple more minutes, but like I, like I was saying in the beginning, I feel like litigation is kind of the traditional type of divorce that you know we, is all dramatized in our lives and stuff like that. When you have um, clients that come in and, and that's what their expectation is, that they're going to have to go to court, their, their ex is, is a dick, whatever, you know, doing, sure. like, are you actively trying to pull them away from litigation? Are you trying to sort of almost scare them enough that they will turn away and, and look for another option? Or do you feel like if someone comes in and says that they want to, that they want to fight it out in court, you're like, okay, great, let's go for it. So the way I always deal with any case that comes in and I say is, do you want to settle your case? And do you want to pay for my children's college education? And I I hate to, it it sort of brings it home for these potential clients because they say to themselves, huh, it it personalizes it, right? I don't need you to pad my pockets, right? Right. Because in, in all reality, this is a referral based system. And I, you know, if I do you a good job, you're going to tell your friends, I did a great job for you. So for me, I am not, and I tell this to all my clients because I do get people who say that, Oh, I've heard that you're tough and I'll be tough. And, and that honestly is truly how I am. Damn straight. (laughs) But if it means that I can settle your case and it means that neither one of you are going to be happy, but you're going to be happy enough with the result. Why wouldn't I push that for you? Because again, any penny that you pay to me is one less penny you pay towards your children's college education. Right. So you should always be focused on trying to settle. And like I said earlier, cases are not, they're just some that aren't going to settle. They're just aren't the 0.1%. You're in an inevitable situation. You're an, an inenviable party. And you may be like TH that settles the day of trial, but you already spent 30, 40, $50,000 to prepare to get to that date. But you, maybe your spouse or ex-spouse needed that cathartic experience to get to the settlement table and say, I'm ready to be done. So, I mean, it really truly is. I, I can say this unequivocally. I don't have, um, let's fight, let's fight, let's fight, unless a client insists upon it. And then I tell them every step of the way, let's try to see if we can get to a reasonable settlement. But again, there are those cases that won't settle. So th- there's actually a lot more that I want to get into. So maybe we'll do another podcast about it, but I want to talk about, you know, the importance of the lawyers relationships, you know, there, there's that movie divorce court, which clearly shows, you know, um, you know, relationships of judges and lawyers Mm -hmm. that precedes any of your own personal interest. Um, You know, you were, you, we, we had spoken about before, you know, certain lawyers that are just looking to rack up their bills and I was probably like prime meat for mine mm-hmm. and she did and we did and it was a gross amount of money, but we got sucked into the system. So maybe we do another one that's really talking about the system of litigation because 
it really is, there are reasons to avoid it. And, and we touched on 100%. like one or two of them, but like you guys can't even imagine the paperwork yeah. and like oh, digging <laughs> up your past. And the other, the really big thing in my mind is you're letting a judge decide knows, your you. future and your kid's future. That's why every Scary. other step is taken into play because at least you still have some say in right. the ultimate right. decision of your divorce. That's such Once a good you point. go to a judge, I mean, I've had, I had four judges. Mm -hmm. One of them did not like women. She didn't. I mean, he didn't, sorry, he didn't. And some of the, the statements he said to me made me feel like, holy shit. I am what did so I get myself into? screwed. Right. And so there, there's a lot of dynamics here and a lot more that we really do need to explore that I, I think that we should. Absolutely. Um, but the biggest I thing is you lose control. You use a lot of money on a bunch of paperwork and a lot of lawyers' times, and the decision is not yours to be made. So I always, yeah, I always say to potential clients who are about to start trial or or or, or thinking of it, do you want a person in a black robe deciding your fate, your children's fate, and the rest of your lives? And I mean, it, it it really it, it it is it's it's absolutely bonkers that people would much prefer a third party to do that, who, who may or may not rule in your favor if they got off on the wrong side of the bed. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe their, their, uh, cat got ran over or, you know, something can set them off to a point where they just don't like you today. And right. I'm not, and, and, and judges are human. It's, it's, it's normal. It's a normal thing. I'm not demeaning any of the judges because they're human and they are deciding a lot of cases on any given day, to be quite honest, mm -hmm. but at any given day, they're deciding your life. Are you sure you want that to be before a judge? You have, if you go to mediation, if you go elsewhere, if you go to any conciliatory methods, you're in control. Right. To right. Some and you only have control. Like if you were my lawyer, Ruth, then you can control me, but we I can't can. control the other side. That's right. And that's kind of how it dragged to where it was because mm -hmm. I, I kept getting dragged in. So it really takes two good lawyers and two clients who that's exactly what Ruth said before four it people four in every people. divorce it right exactly. yeah. so we're gonna have to dig in deeper on that like yeah. what do you do if yeah. you're on the let's settle and they're on the no way we're going to court you got to go along for the ride yeah, yeah. That, I mean that really that's a podcast in and uh, in and of itself that, yeah we're, we're gonna have to do that yeah. one for sure so well <laughs> thank you so much for your time today really appreciate it what are the best ways for people to find you um, my email address is Ruth at Zemsky Family Law. It's ZemskyFamilyLaw.com. And um, you can check me out on Facebook and on Instagram. I think I don't have the Instagram handle. I apologize. I, um, but it'll be up. We'll and have it on our site also. We'll have it all contact, <laughs> right, All the clickable information. But thank you again, Ruth. Thank We're you. definitely going to have you back to talk about more. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Divorce Etc. with the ex-experts. We really hope this episode was helpful for you in getting information you need and feeling empowered to get through it. And always remember there are so many of us just like you. Now please hit the subscribe button so you always get new episodes and please rate and review us. You can also check out our website filled with free resources at xexperts.com. Follow us on social on Instagram and Facebook and send us an email to let us know your thoughts or any questions or topics you'd like us to talk about. See you next time.